a busy time of year, isn't it? I mean, it's busy. I know that whether you're um, in school and, you know, you... Um, if you're at that age yet, some of you are at the age you have exams, other of you, others of you are not yet at that age and you just have a bunch of stuff going on and some of your teachers might let you watch a couple movies, um, some of you have assignments you got to do, um, you know, and then you, then you get little higher grades and then you got these exams and they're, you know, harder tests and stuff and then you get, you know, in the college and it's just like, you know, brutal exams, you know, week to study and all, all that stuff just starts happening and then you have, um, you know, and you get out and you work and you have jobs and different times of the year your jobs are, are different. Some of them are just crazy. Some are just hectic and they just run, 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 run. Um, but you add on to that all the other stuff that's going on in life. And sometimes holiday seasons aren't the most relaxing times. Sometimes they're just messy. Sometimes it, it's just a lot, a lot going on. Um, I, I was even thinking at my office. My office at home... Um, I work out of home, um, and a lot of my work is Skype calls and um, video conferencing, and like I do a lot of stuff with our folks in Turkey, and they're nine hours ahead, so I'll like, get up and have some meetings with them like first thing in the morning for me, which is like afternoon for them. You know, then I'll go jogging or something. I'll come back and have meetings with my da- folks in Dallas because then they're, everybody's meeting there at nine, and you know, and so we just you know just it's, but my my office I, I'm I'm my family will testify I don't have the cleanest of desks. Um, and but my office is becoming crazier and crazier um, as the holiday season is coming, and also as the wedding is approaching. Um, we had some now it's become a storage place for boxes and tins and, and preparations for for weddings. And um, and then we had someone even swing by yesterday. My mother-in-law was in town for a um, shower. Thank you, many of you all, part of that shower yesterday. It was a wonderful, fantastic thing. Um, um, and but she brought a carpet, and we're like, we're gonna put the carpet. Oh. My office, and so so it's it's you know wrapped up in like a U shape, laying across the center of my floor, and that, that that's my office right now. And so I, thankfully I, I went in, I saw it, I didn't fall over it this morning when I got up early, um, but it's just it's just it's just messy. And so sometimes I it's, it's I walk in there and I'll, and I'll go to my desk and I'll see you know the different piles. I have one pile for things that need to be scanned into the computer because I'm trying to, I try to go paperless, but until, you know, and so, but every now and then I, I built this huge pile of papers until I can go paperless, you know, and the other side are things that I have to file, and then I have a stack of books that just, it's just awful. I mean, they stack up, and they're stacked, literally, it's a stack about this tall, just on top of it, are leaning against the wall on the right side of my desk. Then my trash can, which is obviously overflowing. I, I, I never tend to take it out when it's full. It's just sitting there, so, it's, it's, so the dogs will come in and grab papers and Shred them on the floor, and you know. So, 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 I, so I walk into my office, and I'm easily distracted. I'll think, oh, I need to do this, or I need to do that, or I need to do this, need to do that. And it's hard for me to actually focus on the things at hand sometimes because it's just just because of the craziness of my office, and that that's almost like a, a microcosm for our lives. You know, our, our life. There's so much going on, and there's so many pieces, so many things hanging out, and there's so many piles here there that we can we can be going through life and. And we can get distracted from the things that really are important to us. We can get distracted from those priorities and, and, the, and those things that, 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 that we really value. You know, just this, this relationship with God, this walking with Him, becoming what He wants us to be, investing in the people He wants us to invest in, serving those around us, all these things that we, we want to do and want to become, sometimes we're, we're just easily distracted from this, those things. What also can happen too, sometimes it's not just distractions, sometimes it, it's, it's real major concerns. It's, it's sometimes there, there are issues that we're facing that <clears throat> it's not just a distraction. It's like we're consumed with it. And, and, and every waking thought, our mind goes back to it like this big sucking magnet or, or a vacuum. It's just 
and we, and we, and we try to think about other things that just comes back to that and our, our minds just gyrate over it and, and think about different options and, and it's, just, it's just we're sucked into there and, and we can become filled with fear and anxiety and just, just I, mean, I had, there, were, there were twice this week, two different issues going on. One was a couple weeks ago and one was this last week and I, I literally laid in bed from like, I don't know how long it was, a couple hours and my mind is just stressed and anxious. Just anxious. Got up trying to have my quiet time. Anxious. Sometimes that's, that's life. That's what happens. And, we, and because we live in this world where, where things are out of our control and things don't go the way that we expect and, and we can't fix them. And sometimes in the holiday seasons, you know, we, we want everything to be perfect. And sometimes it's even in the midst of those seasons that, that we're just, we're sometimes filled with concern. Um, and it can be confusion with relationships, it can be confusion with family, it can be confusion with work, it can be, there can be anxiety about school, all this stuff. Sometimes it comes up even in the holidays. With the times that we're supposed to be joy, 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 you know. It's just, it's, just, it's not so much joy, 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 joy. Um, and so, so today, what I want us to do is, is, to, is to look at a, at a passage that will um, give us some help in how to, how to live, how to function, really in, in those times... Um, where, where we're fearful, where we may be full of anxiety, where we may be full of concern, where we're distracted from the things that we want to do. Um, and, and the main point today is pretty, I mean, it's not that, I didn't get it worded very well this week, sorry. Uh, but it's pretty long. In the midst of the messiness of life, we put our hope in God. That's a long statement. Um, but, but I hope that it communicates what I'm trying to say is that in the midst of this thing we call life, in the midst of this where, where it's, it's messy, where it's difficult, where we're distracted, where we're overwhelmed, the solution to those things actually is to put our hope in God. That's really the only solution that we have. And so today we're going to walk through a passage that's going to help us do that. It's going to help explain why it's hard to do that and help us to do that and sort of tells us what happens when we don't do that. Um, and so that's what we're going to do today. Um, but the passage we're going to do, it's going to be built on really, it's going to link to what, what Jacob preached about last week. I, I love the message last week when, when Jacob preached and just, and just talked to us about how God weaves us into his story. And Jacob, Jacob preached the passage about how, you know, Jacob, Joseph had the dream, you know, how God appeared to him in a dream telling him that, hey, your wife is pregnant from me. This is not something else going on. And in fact... This is, this is a part of my long-term plan, this prophecy that I gave over 700 years ago. The virgin would, you know, have a child, and he would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. So what we're going to do is we're going to scroll back in time from, from Joseph 700 years. And we're going to go look at the time in which that prophecy was originally given. And that's going to take us back to the book of Isaiah. And it's very interesting. Isaiah lived in a crazy time. He lived in a time where there was international intrigue. At that time, the nation of Israel was in two parts. The northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The southern kingdom is called Judah, and that's where Jerusalem is, the temple and all that kind of stuff. The northern kingdom was called Israel, sometimes called Ephraim, um, but that's the northern kingdom. And then next door was this country called Aram, which is like in Syria... And then you had this huge country on the rise called Assyria. So you have Syria, it was called Aram. And then Assyria, based out of Nineveh, Babylon, that place, that was on the ascendancy. So you have these nations that are... And, and you have this, you know, and they're all 
immoral nations. At that time, you know, Israel had a bad king, Judah had a bad king, immoral people didn't follow God, had no desire to pursue the ways of God, had idolatry. No one, you know, that was sort of the character of Israel, that was the character of Judah, that was the character of Syria, that was the character of Assyria, and there's all this intrigue of who's going to work with who, and in the northern kingdom, thinking about coming down and attacking Judah and partnering with them, and Assyria saying, well, hey, you going to partner with me, I'll defend you, and it's, it's just this, it's this international intrigue of immoral nations. Does that sound anything familiar? <laughs> you know, does that relate at all? You know, that, that, that we have you know, societies and cultures that, that are not characterized by godliness and by a pursuit of Him, but by, but by lots of other things. And there, there's not an attempt to honor God. And that, that's the situation in which they're living. And there's great fear that they're, they're going to be attacked. And, and in fact, there's some things that have already started. And there's great fear this other nation. You know, what should they do? Should they buy them off? What do they do? How, how are they going to handle this situation? And it's in that context that you have this, this, this prophecy that, that, that God comes and gives the prophecy about Emmanuel. That to a virgin, a child will be born. And you will name him Emmanuel, God, with us. And so we're going to look at this, this passage. Now, I, I tortured my family this week, I must say, on Thursday morning. I walked them all the way through all the stuff that's going on, Isaiah 7, Isaiah 8. Just painful. Um, and then I, I got to the end of it, and, and they're like, you can't preach all that, Tim. There's just no way. I'm like, you're right, I can't. Okay, so, so what we're going to do is we're going to look at the passage at the end of Isaiah 8 that sort of that, that explains sort of what's going on, the whole thing. But I, but I, I, wanted, I want to just to, to set up the context for you. That, that the, the situation of the people in Israel, this is 700 years before Christ. They're a nation that is led by a wicked leader the people are uncertain about the future. They're threatened by other countries around the world. And they're wondering who should they partner with. And none of them are really seeking God. And, and, and God comes to the king of Judah and offers to save. He basically says, look, I will take care of you. And, and the guy turns him down. Turns him down. He says, not so much. And what he does, he ends up putting his hope in Assyria and sends out the, the things from the treasury to the nation of Assyria. Because I'm going to put my hope in Assyria, not in God. So that, that's the context. And so, so God, he, says, you know, he gives him a sign because a virgin will give birth to a child and, and he talks about what God's going to do. It's, 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 sort of, it's sort of wild. And, and then he comes, and, so that, that's in chapter 7. So I encourage you, you can read chapter 7. And it's, it's confusing. If, anybody, if any of you want to have a separate study group on Isaiah 7 and 8, drop me an email. I'd love to do it for a couple hours. It's actually... Fascinating, but we can't do it today. Okay, it's incredible. But so, so, so what happens is there's this prophecy about he will come, you're God with us, Emmanuel. And then that, then that term Emmanuel will come up again in chapter 8 um, in, in light of judgment. So this, this God coming to us, part of it's going to be judgment, part of it's going to be salvation. And then we're, we're going we're to pick up in the story in chapter 8, really we're going to pick up in verse 11. And we're going to read from 11 through 18. And the, the point what we're going to discover is, look, in the midst of the craziness of life, in the, in the midst of all that's going on, our, our solution, we find hope in God. And I, I, yeah, there's a lot of details. I don't want to get lost in everything going on in ancient Israel. And, um, what I want to happen is that you and I can say, hey, um, 
I don't want to be distracted by everything going on in my life. I don't want to be afraid and consumed with anxiety and 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 in doubt and 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 frozen um, because I'm in circumstances I can't control. I want to put my hope in God and trust Him. And I want to follow Him and believe that He will work things out for His good. But that's where we're going today. That's where we're going today. Let me read the passage. This is what the Lord says to me with His strong hand upon me. Warning me not to follow the way of this people. Do not call conspiracy everything this people calls a conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear and do not dread it. The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. He is the one you are to dread. He will be a holy place. For both Israel and Judah, he will be a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. For the people of Jerusalem, he will be a trap and a snare. Many of them will stumble. Many of them will fall and be broken. They will be snared and captured. Bind up this testimony of warning. Seal up God's instruction among my disciples. I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the descendants of Jacob. I will put my trust in him. Here am I and the children the Lord has given me. We are signs and symbols in Israel from the Lord Almighty who dwells on Mount Zion. So what we do is we come into the story at this point where the king has rejected God's offer for salvation and God has given a hint of a future time that he will come, God with us, um, part of it is judgment, part of it is salvation. And then the Lord is speaking to Isaiah saying, this is how you need to function in this situation. Because your culture around you, your government, and the nations are not seeking me. But I want you to put your hope in me. So that's what we're talking about today. How, how do we put our hope in God in the midst of a society and a world that doesn't? This way he begins, verse 18, he says, This is what the Lord says to me with his strong hand on me, warning me not to follow the way of this people. So in other words, he's, he's, he's setting up a distinction between him and the people. Verse 12, he says, Don't call conspiracy everything this people calls a conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear. Do not dread it. So in other words, they are um, not to be like the nations around them. And he's first he's talking about conspiracy. Well, he's talking about, you know, that, that the nation of Judah is, is you know, they're, they're talking about how, well, wait a second, Aram and Israel are going to work together and attack us, and then we need to... So, so they're trying to figure out the whole, all the situation. Who's aligned together? Who's against this? And they're sort of consumed with, ah, you know, what, what all is going on? Now, have you, have you ever been there? Do you ever just get consumed with all the things you can't control? I do. I 100% do. I, I spend, it's, so, it's very tempting for me to spend a lot of time on things I have no control over. And to let my mind spin about it. And spin and spin and spin and spin. And then finally the circumstance comes and maybe part of it I got right, part of it I got wrong, part of it I was totally wrong. But I sure spun a lot about it. 
And I think sometimes we can have that, we can have that tendency that, we, that we, 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 we try to figure out everything, how it's all going on. He's saying, look, don't call conspiracy everything they call conspiracy. Don't, 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 don't let your mind go those directions. And he says, don't fear what they fear. Do not dread it. And you, in the next verse, he sets up the contrast between fearing all those things and fearing God. And he's, he's not saying that there aren't real threats. I mean, he's not saying, oh, there's really not a nation up there, or, you know, there aren't bills to be paid, or there, 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 there's, not a, there's not a kid at school who's not bullying me, or, or, or there's not a, an exam that I just don't understand the class, and I don't know how I'm going to pass, and if I don't pass, then that leads to this, and that leads to that, and that leads to that. It's not that those realities aren't real. But we can be so focused on those things that we're consumed by. He says, no. Don't be. The way you look at the world needs to be different from those who put their hope in God. Let's just think about that for a second. Do we fear all the same things and respond in all the same ways as people who do not know God and do not have hope in Him. Ouch! I wish I wouldn't have said that. Because that's painful for me. I can be worried in the same way and be consumed with the same fears and be, be all upset um, just as those who don't know God. But it's, it's interesting. I, 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 we have another reality that exists that needs to come and sort of take that over. I, I saw a video this week. I, I, I don't even know which... What's the guy that does the karaoke in the car? Corden? What's his name? James Corden. Okay. Well, I, I saw a little video. Not, it wasn't one of the videos in the car thing. It was... Uh, he plays this game... I don't even know when he comes on TV, but I saw a clip of it. And it's called Flinch. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, yeah. Good, good. Thank you. Thank you. I'm not out in left field. Flinch. And so what it is, is, is he has this like plexiglass thing like this. Okay? But it's a lot stronger than this. I mean, it must be like bulletproof glass. I mean, you can hit it with anything and it, there's no effect at all. And he invites celebrities on his show to go stand behind it. So they go stand behind it. Okay. So, and, but what he has is he has a machine like back there where Brian is, and, and, and he has this big container of like fruit, and he loads up like a cannon with fruit and shoots it at the plexiglass. And the goal is not to flinch. Okay? So you got this fruit, I mean, you can't even see it come. I mean, it's like, and it's awesome. It's just wet. It's just, you know, whatever color fruit it is, that thing is that color. I mean, you never see it happen. Except the person behind it just goes, ah! You know, and then they're just like trying to leap out of the way as this fruit is flying towards them and hitting the screen and splattering. And the goal, and then they show the replay, did, did the guy move or not? And of course you see their faces going. <laughs> you know, it's all slow motion, their whole response of how they're like, yeah! Because they're just launching avocado or orange or apple. But the reality is what? There's this screen 
there's this wall, there's this shield that they know is there. They know they're not going to be hit. But still, it's like, you know, you, you can't, you, I mean, it's just like, you can't help it. You know, so then he tries, he's, he's so bad that he tries to distract him. He's like, so, where'd you go for Thanksgiving? He's like, oh, I went, ah! You know, so, so, so he totally tries to take him off guard, you know. And then when he does it, of course, he won't answer their questions and look straight ahead, and he doesn't flinch. Because he knows that's there. He doesn't flinch at all when all the fruit comes. And he's like, and, and I sometimes think, um, we need to have that approach. We say, I, I know there's actually a, a shield. I know there's a defense. I know there's a wall that nothing can get through apart from the hand of God. That doesn't mean my life's going to be easy. It doesn't mean that I'm going to get everything that I want. But I'm trusting in this shield, in this wall, in this barrier, in this person who is God. And that's what he calls you. He says, he says don't fear. Don't call conspiracy. Don't get all concerned with those things these people do. Don't, call, don't get all afraid. Or all people. Don't, don't dread. No, don't get all of your emotional energy, all of your attention, all of who you are caught up in all these issues of life. And he gives the contrast. He says, the Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He's the one you are to fear. He's the one you are to dread. He will be a holy place. So you, you have this contrast. It's like, if you're going to fear someone, <laughs> you need to fear the right person. And I don't think he's trying to get us here just to walk around on tippy toes in front of God going, oh, I hope he doesn't notice me. You know, so he's not going to zap me. What he's saying is, the guy who's really in charge, if I've, if I've got to pick someone to, to, to be concerned with, if I've got to pick someone that I want to put all my hope in, if I've got to pick someone that I'm going to put everything in, if I've got to pick someone that I'm going to say, I'm all in with this one, it needs to be God. That's who it needs to be. He's the one you need to fear. He's the one you need to dread. He's the one. He's the one that you've got to put all in with. Because he's actually God. <laughs> and in that, I mean, it's not that con, it's not that you know brilliant of a point. You ready for it? God is God. <laughs> Did you catch that? Now that might be hard, but that's, it's, you know, I'll spell that out. G-O-D-I-S-G-O-D. There's one God and you and I are not it. There's one God and it's not our government. There's one God, it's not our president. There's one God, it's not our Congress. There's one God, it's not our boss. There's one God, it's not, it's not your teacher. There's one God, it's not your employer. There's one God, it's not... I saw you frown when I said it's not your teacher, Don. Is that, did you want to be God? No, okay, okay sorry. <laughs> I'm just curious. I'm teasing. Don's a teacher. I had to, I'm sorry. So, I won't call you out. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Don. Please forgive me for... Okay. Okay, thank you. Um, but, but, you know, we, we, we sometimes can forget... That the people that we're scared of and the circumstances that we're afraid of and, and the things that we can't control, God can. 
And if we're going to be all in with someone, if we're going to try to find a manner to go through this life, and hey, let's pursue God, put all in with Him, and then walk and trust that He'll work out the circumstances in our lives. If we do that, oh man, it's so much better. And that's what I had to do this week. And I told you, I was sitting there, wide awake for hours, can't sleep. And got another, I, mean, I was like, wait a second, Tim, Tim, Tim. I can't control this. I cannot control this. God, you can control this. I'm going to seek you. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to obey you. And I'm going to trust you. That, that, that's how we function in the midst of messiness. We put our hope in God. We pursue God. We treat Him as if He is God. And then we walk in obedience to Him and trust Him to work things out as we obey Him and, and move forward and keep going. That, that's how we make it in the midst of this messiness, in the midst of the craziness. But it's interesting. He doesn't stop there. He goes on and talks about how he, you know, will be, both for Israel and Judah, he'll be a stone that causes people to stumble, a rock that makes them fall. The people of Jerusalem will be a, he'll be a trap and a snare for them. Many will stumble. And this is quoted, you know, three different times in the New Testament, how Jesus, you know, he's the rock that makes people stumble, that makes them fall. Like, what? He, on the one hand, he's the image of refuge and sanctuary, and the other issue, he's, he, he can be a stumbling block, I mean, a trap and a snare. The point is, this Emmanuel who's coming, this Jesus who has come, you're going to have to do something with him. You're either going to need to embrace him or trip over him. Because he is a reality. He is God with us who was sent from God to solve a problem we couldn't solve. He was sent for God, from God to die on the cross, to be, take the penalty for our sins, to raise from the dead, and we put our faith in Him and we have forgiveness of sins. Because we can't earn that on our own. We cannot solve our ultimate problem. I mean, you talk about something to lay awake at night, think about eternity. I mean, heck, the problems that I was anxious about this week, you know, they are eternal problems. They're very temporary. You want a real problem? Think eternity. And God has solved that problem in Jesus Christ. And he offers us salvation by faith in Him. But Jesus is here. And, and Jesus, when He came and lived and taught and, 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 and offered Himself as a sacrifice, He was rejected. And people said, God wouldn't do How could this guy do this? We know Him. He's from, he's from Nazareth. It's, you know, who is this guy? What do you mean I, I, I'm supposed to believe in him? What about all these rules I'm supposed to do? See, everyone else, every one of us can be just like those people in the first century who can say, no, I've got my way to know God. I've got my plan for life. And I'm, I, I don't have as much interest in this Jesus thing. But I just want to tell you where I've thrown in my lot, and many of you have thrown in your lot, is with what the Bible teaches, that Jesus is our Savior. And He died on the cross, was buried, and was raised from the dead. And through faith in Him, we have a relationship with God. And apart from that, we're pretty much opposed. 
That's it. And, and, and so we, we can either embrace him and enjoy that relationship, or we can stumble and trip over him. It's, it's like fighting against gravity. We can say, I don't really like gravity. I don't like it. Gravity is not my favorite thing. It annoys me. I'm going to ignore gravity. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to climb up this tree about 10 or 15 feet and keep going up left 20 feet. And then I'm going to start going right as opposed to vertical. Because I don't like gravity and I'm going to ignore gravity. How's that going to go for me? What do you think? Not so good. Yeah, not, not so good. He, gravity is reality whether I like it or not. And I can either embrace gravity, utilize gravity, or I can be messed up. And that's sort of what he's saying about Christ. He's saying, look, you can embrace Christ. He can be your refuge. He can be the one who is holy. He can be God with us as your Savior. Or he can be someone that you will stumble over, someone that you will reject, and you will do so to your own peril. And Isaiah ends by saying, but as for me, I wait and put my hope in the Lord. So this morning, I just want to um, invite you. I'm not saying life is easy. I'm not saying our, our, our concerns aren't real. What I'm saying is, hey, in the midst of this holiday season, in the midst of this society and culture we live in, it's crazy. In the midst of the concerns that we have that are real. Let's put our hope in God. And, and what does that look like on a practical basis? What, is that, how does that, what does that mean? I mean, for me, what that means, I, I don't know how you guys do that. For me, I do awful at trusting in God minute by minute, day by day, hour by hour, if I'm not spending time in His Word. If I'm not learning from Him, leaning from Him, obeying what He teaches me, I tend not to trust in Him. It affects who I hang out with. If I don't spend time with people who are going to encourage me in that path, I end up walking off that path. I end up becoming like the people I hang around with. If I don't gather around people like this who will also encourage and I can worship and, and be renewed together, then I struggle. You know, this passage doesn't give us the guidelines on how to put our hope in God, but that's how it works for me. It's time with God on my own. It, it, it's it, in which I not only read, but I say, what do you want me to do today? I do something. It's time with other people who, who are, that's why we have life groups, that's why we have small groups. It's people who know us and can help us in this journey. And that's why we get together and worship and celebrate and study His Word together. So let's say, let, 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 so let this holiday season, I just want to ask you, pick one, one, one issue of your life that, hey, that you want to say, oh, oh, God, I, I, I want to trust you. I'm going to consciously trust you with this detail. I'm going to trust you with a relationship or a circumstance or, or, or a thing. I, I'm, I'm going to put my hope in you with regards to this. And I'm going to do what you ask me to do. And I'm going to trust you to work it out as I obey you. Let's just take a minute and just, 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 just pause. Close your eyes. God, I ask by your Holy Spirit that you would draw one thing to mind, whether a relationship or a circumstance, 
or a situation, a need. And God, I pray that you'd help us to put our hope in you with regard to that situation. That you would allow us to experience peace and grace from you. God, we affirm that you are God and we are not. We affirm that, 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 that we don't want to simply mimic the fears of the society around us. We want to put our hope in you. We ask you to enable us to do that. And God, we thank you that, that, that your prophecy of 700 years ago, that a virgin would give birth to a son and his name would be Emmanuel, would be God with us, came true in Jesus. And that he came and took the penalty for our sins. And offers us life and his presence with us in and through all the circumstances we face. God, help us this week to be a people who encourage one another in the midst of the messiness of this life to put our hope in you. And we thank you that you are faithful and worthy of all of our trust. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.